Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Dr. Lauren Olivia Wright, who's the Director of Undergraduate Recruitment at the University of Pittsburgh. Dr. Wright, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am doing great, and I can't wait to hear about the University of Pittsburgh and all of the great things that you offer in your classrooms and beyond. So, Doc, let's get right to it. What is it about the University of Pittsburgh that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Great question. So I would say the most popular thing we hear from students, families, counselors, is the uniqueness of the fact that the city is our campus at the university. We're only a few miles away from downtown Pittsburgh. Students get fair free public transportation. So exploring the 89 neighborhoods of Pittsburgh is something everyone has access to and really enhances their college experience, whether it is socially, getting involved in the arts, going to a sport, event, or it is more practically having plenty of opportunities for hands-on opportunities like internships and future job opportunities and shadowing. All of those things are located so close to campus. So students don't have to bring their car to campus. It allows students to come from all over the country and internationally and still really take advantage of the college experience at Pitt. So I would say that's a huge one. Another one is the outside the classroom curriculum program. So so it's a program where essentially students get a transcript of all of the things that they've done outside of just get their degree at the university. So that's whether they've taken leadership in a student organization or shown campus pride by getting involved at a sporting event, or they decided to go to an opera and that showed uh, dedication to the arts. So that's pretty unique because when it comes to applying to graduate school programs or even to jobs, they want to understand that students did something other than get good grades in the classroom. But while you're busy with schoolwork and trying to keep track of life, you actually have a portal that helps you have a record of those things over the course of four years. And you are awarded an honors court of distinction if you complete that program. You get special opportunities with employers. So really all of these opportunities that Pitt 
gifts to students also come with great benefits to them. Um, I would say another one that's really important is that students have the ability to change their mind uh, with over 100 degree programs, over 600 student organizations. Students really get to learn about themselves and it's okay to come into Pitt undecided. Uh, the most practical example we hear from students and families is those interested in medical professions. Pitt has a school of health and rehab sciences, a medical school, a dental school, a nursing school, all right on campus. So it's not like you have to know exactly what direction you want to take when you come in as a Pitt student. And other programs the same way. Within our School of Engineering, for example, your first year at Pitt, you explore all 10 engineering majors. So even if you think you know, you don't have to be entirely certain, which is very helpful for students who love to change their mind. Um, and then I would say, finally, Pitt does a great job of making sure students are invested in for the future. So Pitt is regularly uh, lauded as a college that pays you back. We have a program, the Pell Match, that essentially doubles students' Pell Grant amount to make college more affordable if eligible for need-based aid. And we also have a program that offers uh, guarantees to graduate school. So every year, there's typically between about 17 and 25 guarantees where students can apply to Pitt and as a first-year student or even as a transfer student be, um, be considered for guarantees to many different graduate school programs. So they're able to start investing in their future from even before they step on campus, which is really important when deciding on a college or university. Well, we really appreciate that comprehensive explanation, and I can't wait to hear even more about the great programs that you offer. So Dr. Wright, tell us, what are the different ways a student may apply to the University of Pittsburgh? And is there a benefit applying one way over the other? Yeah, so there's two ways. A student can apply via the Common Application or they can apply via the University of Pittsburgh application. There's not anyone that gets any sort of preference in our admissions process. I would say the benefit to the Common Application is, is the benefit for the student. Um, so <laughs> since we have no preference, it's sometimes a greater efficiency for a student to apply via the Common Application because they can apply to us and many of our peer institutions at once. But there isn't one that is viewed more favorably than the other. Understood. Very good. And you also have rolling admissions at the University of Pittsburgh, correct? Correct. And if so, could you just explain that a little deeper? Sure. Um, so with rolling admissions, I would say the biggest thing to remember about that for us or for any school is the fact that applying early is a big factor. Um, so with rolling admissions, essentially students apply, they get a decision back from us typically between four and eight weeks. And then that happens throughout the course of the year. But because of that, uh, there are fewer spots available in the class the later that you wait to apply. So the admissions criteria becomes more and more competitive as the months go on. So that's really important. Uh, the other thing I would point out is even though we are rolling admissions, we do have a couple of important deadlines. Um, so December 1st is the deadline if you're interested in being reviewed for our honors college program or interested in being reviewed for merit-based scholarships. That December 1st deadline is important. And I always recommend applying well before that. You never want to apply right at the deadline because we do scholarships 
scholarships on a rolling basis as well. And then uh, if you're interested, I mentioned those student guarantees. For the medical school guarantee, the application needs to be in by October 15th and the entire file, including application, transcript, letters of recommendation, short answers, must be submitted no later than November 1st. And then the physician assistant guarantee also has a deadline and that's January 15th. So really the biggest advice I give to people when they start writing down those deadlines and saying, okay, I have to remember this, <laughs> just apply early. The application typically opens in August. If you apply then, you won't have missed any deadlines. <laughs> That's right, students. So just be prepared out there. And Dr. Wright, I was curious, are you seeing an increase of the overall applications? And if so, what adjustments have you made in your overall process? Yeah, that's a great question. So this past year we did, we saw an additional 20,000 applications. Uh, so that wow. is something I've been at the university for 10 years. We've never seen a leap like that, um, but interest in the university has increased. And as an alum, I can understand why. Uh, so within the process, we really tried not to make too many changes um, in the sense that every application is reviewed by three to four individuals. So we just had our staff work really hard to make sure <laughs> Uh, every student still got holistic review. I think the place where students noticed it the most is that there were very competitive students who didn't get admitted. To my earlier comment right. about rolling admissions, there were excellent students who, because there were 20,000 more applications, they applied with a wonderful profile in February. And unfortunately, there was no space left available. So that, that was the biggest difference in our um, process was more the decisions we were able to get students. We were still able to complete that holistic review and make sure everyone was seen by three to four people. No, I appreciate that. And so the importance, again, of applying early, particularly to a school like the University of Pittsburgh, which again has rolling admissions. So we appreciate that insight, Doc. What is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms of GPA and any other related data you collect, of course, such as SAT or ACT scores? Sure. So what we typically give out is the middle 50% to give people the strongest grasp of understanding. Um, so our first year class last year was between about a 1250 and a 1440 on the SAT, a 28 to 33 on the ACT, and between a 3.75 and a 4.34 weighted GPA. Um, so that's the middle 50%, meaning 25% of students fell below that profile, 25% of students fell above that profile, but generally around there. Um, we were test optional uh, last year, so we give those test scores just as a reference point, uh, but there was no negative impact to students who decided not to submit their test scores. We really left the choice up to students even when asked for advice. I think the generally speaking, I said to students, if you hear those middle 50% numbers, you understand your scores fell well below them, they probably are not going to enhance your application. So you can take advantage of that test optional if they're within them or above them. That definitely could be something that enhances your academic profile um, if it's necessary. So maybe you had a lower GPA, but you performed really well in those academic test scores. That could have been an asset to the application for some students. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. And he's also a board certified dermatologist who received a perfect score on his SAT. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code College Talk, one word, just College Talk, and that'll give you 30% off all prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one tutoring packages, make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made using our coupon code, which is College Talk, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. So whether you're preparing for the SAT, ACT, or need a one-on-one tutor, Prep Expert has the tools and expertise to help you. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Understood. And if a prospective student falls a little below the current freshman class's average, what else can they do to enhance their overall application? Yeah. So we practice holistic review. And so we had students have an opportunity to submit a personal statement. Um, So that is something that we encourage is tell us about yourself, what unique things outside of your academic performance will you bring to campus? We're always looking for uh, diversity, not only racially, ethnically, religiously, any sort of diversity, personality, what are your interests? What are you involved in? Um, So it's very important that we get to know you personally as a student. So that person statement definitely uh, changed the game for some students, as well as demonstrating interest. So we love to see that you came to campus for a visit or that you reached out to your representative for your high school and really built a relationship because those people were able to be advocates within the admissions committee process. So we really do look at the whole student. The academic profile is just a portion. It's the most important portion, of course, said in full transparency. But like I mentioned, 25 percent of students weren't within that profile. So there were certainly people who brought something different to the table outside of their academic test scores or their uh, GPA. Well, that's great insight, Doc. We really appreciate it. I know that the University of Pittsburgh is test optional. However, if a student does not choose to submit their SAT or ACT scores with their application, how does that influence merit-based scholarships? Yeah. So this past year, we actually did not um, use test scores in deciding on the merit-based scholarships at all. Um, That was something that we wanted to see how that panned out, um, see what awarding looked like. Next year, we will include test scores in the process for students who want to include them. um, Because as I mentioned to my earlier point, there are students who their test scores may have enhanced their application. And so that would actually be an asset to the student. So we 
are still going to allow students not to submit test scores if they'd like to be reviewed for scholarships. So it won't negatively impact anyone. But for those students who did perform really well, and it would be an additional strong element to their application, and they'd like to make sure the admissions committee viewed it, we will be doing that again as well. Understood. And Doc, how important are students' courses in progress and grades in their senior year? And why would you request to see a student's mid-year grade reports before issuing a decision? That's a great question. So the senior year grades can be more important for some students than others. We look for a positive grade trend, but many students uh, struggle in their first year of high school, for example. And so we don't want that to be the whole reason that a student is not admitted because we're only looking at their first year, their second year, and their third year of high school. We give them additional time to show progress when we ask for their mid-year grades. Um, So that's one thing. Another thing, we're sometimes looking for a specific course or a specific um, grade in a course. So for example, for engineering, we have to see physics. So sometimes we want to see how a student performed in physics or chemistry or a relevant course before issuing a decision. So we ask for the mid-year grades for that reason, just to make sure that the students are performing well in some of the things that will be core curriculum for them moving forward. So that could be another reason. But the most common reason is typically because we can tell the student has potential from the information that we already have, and we just need to see a little bit more or some additional consistency. Well, we appreciate that. And I was curious, does the University of Pittsburgh accept AP, IB, or SAT subject tests for credit? That's a great question. So we accept A, B, I, P, um, A levels, um, different uh, college and high school courses for credit. Uh, There is a sheet we have available on our website that directs students pretty clearly to if you took the course, here's the equivalent at Pitt, here are the credits you're likely to receive. Um, In most cases for like those college courses, it's in the case of a C or better. Um, For those AP tests, for example, it's typically uh, a four or five IVs, sometimes a five, six or a seven most commonly. But again, all of that is spelled out pretty clearly. We don't look at SAT subject tests at this time. All right. Well, that's good to know. So you do accept AP and IB tests, which is great to know. Thank you so much again for that insight. Doc, what are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? In other words, when you read them, you thought this student has to come to the University of Pittsburgh. Yeah. um, One student wrote an essay about uh, how she related learning math in high school to her love of fairy tales. And she talked about how she (laughs) finally figured how she felt like Cinderella before the ball when she was confused in algebra. And then as she learned, she emerged in this whole new world and ended up coming out like a princess. Um, I thought that was very creative. It showed she was creative. It showed she was unique. It showed capacity as a storyteller, but she also talked about academic growth and academic promise through that story. So a lot of the the essays that really stood out to me were there was something very relevant to the student's entire application, but then also something very unique has stood out. Um, 
stories that students talk about an element of their diversity, um, individuals who have told very candid stories about uh, coming out to their parents and what that experience was like and what it's been like for them in high school. And then really the, the standout thing is the students who then do something next because we want people of influence to come to campus, people who will be vocal, people who will make change. So when students say, you know, I, I felt these experiences, I didn't want other students to feel them. So I started the first pride club at my high school, right? The, the action oriented, it's not just something that you felt, there's something that you did. Those are the type of students we really want to see at the University of Pittsburgh. So those sort of essays really stood out that it's like, you're not only just telling me something about yourself, you're also telling me about your potential and who you'll be as a Pitt student. Well, that's awesome. And those are terrific examples. Thank you so much. Can you share examples of essays that perhaps did not meet your standard. Yes. Uh, so we do get a lot of essays where students just don't take it all the way to the powerful step. Um, so for example, we get a lot of essays about a sports injury and how they felt defeated. And then there's a period. <laughs> like I, I, felt, I felt so defeated when I injured myself or I felt so defeated when I didn't get accepted for the team. And we, we sit there and we're like, okay, there is a story there, right? Talk to us about grit. Talk to us about resilience. Talk to us about the time that you tried again after you didn't get the, the into the team, right? But there are some students that sort of fall short of taking the next step of saying, okay, what did you do? How did this impact you? who did it make you as a person, as opposed to just telling us the challenging part of their story. So I would say that's the most common over year over year, myself and my colleagues will say like, oh, they started it and then they didn't tell us anything about it. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's kind of uh, not the best use of a personal statement because we really didn't get to know them individually. Well, we appreciate that insight. Thank you so much. And what about students aspiring to play sports in college? What advice do you have for prospective student athletes in terms of making their intentions to play known? That's a great question. Uh, so we're Division One at the University of Pittsburgh. So really, the coaches already know the intentions and they come out <laughs> and find the students. Uh, we do have recruitment questionnaires online. So students can fill those out. And there are times where uh, the coaches will see a questionnaire and reach out. So I would encourage that. I mean, that's the most proactive step a student can really take from the Division One side. There are clubs, intramural sports, that we have plenty of those listed online where there's contact information for the leadership, uh, whether student leadership or coaches for those individual sports that's a little bit more able for a conversation that's sort of two-way without the coach first identifying the student. But I would say in most cases with Division One athletics, the coaches will find you. Well, we appreciate that. And this has been an outstanding conversation. Thank you so much, Dr. Wright. You've given us so much insight into the process, and we've heard so many great things about the University of Pittsburgh. So in conclusion, what are the three top pieces of advice you would give a student and their parents who are getting ready for the college admissions process? 
Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So one of the things I would say is to relax, <laughs> uh, to, to really not stress too much about the process. Uh, a lot of students, I think, miss the joy of their final year of high school worrying about college and you won't get it again. <laughs> that, that final year of high school will pass you by if you spend the entire time focusing on admissions. Uh, the other thing is, the we can tell as admissions professionals when students and families aren't relaxed, and sometimes it's even harder to help them. Uh, we <laughs> we were we we want to we try, uh, but the goal is really if you focus, you get your set of questions, you decide what you need to know from us. We're really here to be your advocates and we're really here to be able to give you the resources that you need um, so you don't have to stress about that process, that we really don't want to ever make it worse. Um, The second (laughs) piece of advice that I would give to students and families um, is to do everything you can to consider fit early in the process. So the campus visit, I highly encourage coming and seeing which schools you're interested in, deciding if you could feel yourself there, um, if you feel comfortable on campus, even virtually, if visiting physically is not an option, many schools have kept virtual visits. So doing that research proactively can be helpful as opposed to building a list of 30 some odd colleges. And then from there, having to narrow the list down, going to my earlier point, that could be a full-time job. It will be easier <laughs> if you spend the summer before visiting, going online, doing research, coming up with a list of a few schools you're really interested in wanting to ask questions of uh, will make the process a lot easier. Um, and a lot more relaxing. And then the the final piece of advice I would say is specific to us and to the rolling admissions, but I cannot emphasize enough that apply early um, for a couple reasons, right? If you have the opportunity to apply early, sometimes, especially if you're thinking pit, you can apply in the summer and then you just wait to hear from us and you really get to take advantage of enjoying your senior year. Um, but if that's not the case, if that's not an option or you know you have schools that are early decision, early action, rolling admissions, a lot of variety, I would still say, make a place for yourself to just understand the steps that you're going to need to take in the process. So if it's applying early for this school, if it's early decision, early action for these schools, really taking a little bit of time in that summer before you go into your last year of high school to have a plan so you never have to feel like you're scrambling because selecting a college should be a fun process. You don't want it to be <laughs> stressful. Maybe I'd say listen to some listen to some podcasts. Listen to cap, you know, figure some of these things out proactively. Um, and if you can take a lot of stress out of that process, choosing your college or university can really be a fun time in your life, and it should be. So doing that research and taking that time, and then finally getting to the point of even getting some of those applications out of the way early uh, would be something I'd highly recommend. Well, Dr. Wright, thank you so much for your insight, those tremendous pieces of advice. This was outstanding, and I'm so happy because I know it's going to help so many students and their parents. It was an absolute joy having you today. We really hope that you come back again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend. 
And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.